Listen, just listen. I'm Julie Ganey, and you're listening to the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music, a collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, Second Story Storyteller, Lot Hill. When I was 18, I fell in love with a Catholic schoolgirl. Mm-hmm. Her name was Amy Richardson, and she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. She was perfect, from her Mary Lou Retton smile to the two freckles above her left knee, in the space between her high socks and the hem of her little plaid skirt. Oof, that little plaid skirt. And she could sing, too, had a voice like an angel. Amy was the lead in her high school musical, which also starred my best friend, Laura. On opening night, I sat front row center in that high school gymnasium with its makeshift stage and folding chairs, and the rest of the world just fell away. It felt as if she sang every song just for me and that the universe had conspired to bring us to that one perfect moment of her performance. In my eyes, she was already a superstar, and I was her biggest fan. Maybe I should stop here and fill you in on a couple of important details. First of all, in case you don't already know, I'm kinda gay. Okay, okay, not kinda gay, really gay. But I had just come out a few months before I met Amy and had dated only one guy who broke my heart. And though you might be sitting there thinking that I was on the rebound or confused or in denial, this was not some kind of heart, my heart was shattered by a guy and now I'm going back to girls sort of thing. I was really head over heels in love with Amy from the moment I saw her. It just felt like the real thing. The second thing you should know is that I was in my second semester of college and Amy was a junior in high school. I know, I know, it sounds like I was robbing the cradle, but this was Kentucky. That's what we do there, for real. The third thing you should know is that the production my friend and Amy were in was Godspell. You know, Godspell? The musical based on the Gospel of Matthew. Think hair, but with Jesus, John the Baptist, Judas, you get the picture. It was a Catholic girls' school after all. And as I mentioned before, Amy was playing the lead role. Mm-hmm. That's right. She was Jesus. Her costume was just a blue Superman t-shirt, rainbow suspenders, and blue jeans, and even though she was kinda small, it seemed like she filled up the whole stage as she sang. When wilt thou save the people, O God of mercy, when? I could never really carry a tune, but while helping my friend Laura rehearse, I had learned all the songs by heart. And I wasn't religious or anything, God knows the Catholic Church wouldn't have me, but watching Amy on stage, I felt like I was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that night, I swear I would have dropped to my knees and accepted Jesus as my savior. 
To me, each song sounded better than the one before. And it didn't matter that there was no stage lighting or that the set was mostly made up of cardboard boxes. I was captivated all the way to the very end when Jesus slash Amy is tied to the cross with red silk sashes. The other players circled around and genuflected. Her head, adorned with a wreath of grapevines, drooped to one side as her sparkling mahogany hair cascaded in front of her face. Her chin trembled and she sang ever so softly, forlornly. Oh God, I'm dying. And the others writhed on their knees, answering in song, Oh God, you're dying. And when Amy looked up at the audience to sing her final line, her eyes met mine. Her lips quivered as she sang in a whisper, Oh God, I'm dead. And one single perfect tear escaped from her right eye. She didn't look away. And with her nailed to the cross and me in a metal folding chair right at the front of the gymnasium, I felt a tear of my own roll down my cheek. My heart swelled for Jesus, for this amazing girl, for all of humanity. And just before she shut her eyes and dropped her, her chin to her chest, I detected the faintest hint of a smile on her lips. A smile for me. Oh God, indeed. I attended the show the next night. And the next. It only played three times that weekend, but I was there in the same seat all three shows. On the second night, Amy noticed me halfway through her first song, and on the third, I could tell she came onto the stage looking for me. Afterwards, I waited as Amy made her rounds to family and friends, and then shyly towed her way over to me. Hey, she said. Hey, I said. How'd you like the show, she said. I was here all three nights. I noticed, she said. Now, you gotta realize that I am not a player, and I certainly wasn't very slick at that age, but I was running on automatic pilot when Amy was around, and somehow I managed to ask, I'm gonna go get something to eat with Laura. You wanna come along? Amy's face dropped. I can't. And then she said it. I'm supposed to meet my boyfriend. That felt like a blow to my gut. A boyfriend? I hadn't seen a boyfriend any of the nights I'd been stalking this girl. <laughs> a boyfriend? The possibility hadn't even crossed my mind, but of course a girl this perfect would have a boyfriend. The next few days were miserable for me. Throughout the weekend, I had been bouncing off the walls, singing songs from Godspell, but now I was in a gloomy funk. But then, out of the blue, Amy called me. She wanted to see me, and I quickly agreed to meet up with her on Saturday afternoon at the mall. As soon as we met up, Amy insisted that we go to soundtracks, complaining that she could never get her boyfriend to take her there. Anybody remember soundtracks? They were like little recording studios for karaoke where you'd pick out a song, sing along, and then you could buy the tape. <laughs> I told her that I couldn't sing very well, but she didn't care. She was just thrilled that I was willing to go with her. 
We flipped through the songbooks looking for duets, but because we were on our first date, we picked kind of a safe one. Inside, the recording booth was small and close, and over the microphone we shared, we gazed into each other's eyes. Again, I felt like I did on that first night I'd seen her. Like we were the only two people in the world. Later, I got up the nerve to ask about her boyfriend, and she confessed that they'd been drifting apart. Then she asked if I was seeing anyone. I told her no, but that the last person I had dated had been a guy. And she said she knew. And it th didn't matter. And I wondered if my heart would explode before I ever got the chance to kiss this girl. But in that recording booth, I didn't worry about any of that. Not about my boyfriend or her boyfriend or the fact that I couldn't sing very well. That would be me right there. And for the record, we didn't kiss that day. It was our first date, and she technically still had a boyfriend, though that wouldn't last for long. See, someone had seen Amy and me at the mall, and that made it back to her boyfriend in about 52 hours. And he'd gone and told Amy's parents that he was worried she was being led astray by some older guy who was gay. As you might guess, that went over really well in a severely Catholic household. That was all Amy's parents needed to forbid her from ever seeing me again. The fact that she promptly broke up with the boyfriend was little consolation in light of this decree from her parents. But true love can't be caged. She called me after her parents went to bed, and we tried to think of some place where we could meet where no one would know us, like a park on the other side of town, the bus station, a cemetery. But then we finally came up with the perfect place, the Burlington Coat Factory. The Burlington Coat Factory. It was in a strip mall on the other side of town, and we could drive there separately and browse among the coats while we made sure no one we knew was in the store. Then we'd meet along the back wall where we'd walk among raincoats, sport coats, overcoats, trench coats, cashmere, camel hair, fur. Usually she'd be wearing that little plaid skirt, and we'd stroll up and down the aisles holding hands and talking. Sometimes we'd pretend to be browsing, but after we realized that the board salespeople didn't really care, we'd just loiter in some corner and make out. We met like that three or four times, always at the Burlington Coat Factory, <laughs> pressing our bodies together among the coats, until one day Amy said that it wasn't enough. She didn't care what her parents thought. She loved me, and she wanted to see me someplace normal, someplace where we weren't surrounded by so many ugly coats. <laughs> the next weekend was Easter, and our love would rise again. <laughs> On Easter Sunday, Amy pretended to be sick, so she didn't have to go with her family to her grandmother's, and once her parents left, she headed over to my house. That afternoon was the first time that Amy and I had been outside together as a couple. The spring sun, holding hands, flowers in bloom, it was perfect. Eventually, my family went to the zoo, and Amy and I stayed behind at my house. Finally, we were alone in my bedroom. 
kissing, pressing together, making our way toward the bed. It felt like steam was rising from our bodies, and suddenly Amy was over me, on top of me, guiding my hand inside her soft sweater. In a heavy whisper, she told me she wanted to make love. Have you ever? I asked. No, but if I get pregnant, there's no way my family can keep us apart. They'll have no choice but to let us get married. What? Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. My whole future flashed before my eyes. Amy pregnant. 12 kids by the time I'm 21, working at the Burlington Coat Factory. No college for me, no college for Amy, and of course, she could never have that brilliant musical career if she started having babies at 16. Her words rang in my ears, they'll have no choice but to let us get married. What is it with the Catholics? (laughs) Besides, truth be told, there was something missing. Get your minds out of the gutter, I'm not talking about that. Okay, so your dirty minds are somewhat right, but that wasn't all. Even though I could imagine a future with Amy, I couldn't imagine it that way, starting there with children and a shotgun wedding and a vow to stay together for the rest of our lives. I pulled my hand out from under her sweater. I don't want you to have to choose between them and me. Amy's voice was pleading, but I choose you. I want you. And well, I guess this was the true test of my sexuality, or... Maybe my morality, because here I had this gorgeous Catholic schoolgirl on top of me, offering me her virginity, and I didn't take her up on it. And even though this was Kentucky, I was just 18, and I couldn't imagine spending my entire life with only one person. And what's more, I knew I couldn't promise to be faithful to a woman. And how could I allow her to give her entire life to me if I couldn't do the same? But I love you, she argued. And I love you too. That's how I know we can't do this. Amy was crying when she left my house. Easter Sunday, and I had made the girl who played Jesus cry. (laughs) The very last time I saw Amy, she called and said, I need to see you. We decided to meet in an hour in the back corner. Men's big and tall, raincoats. She had on dark sunglasses. When she lifted them, I could tell she had been crying. I love you, she said. I'm crazy for you. I don't know how to live without you. I know, I said, but you've got your whole life ahead of you, and I don't ever want to be responsible for coming between you and your family. I know, she nodded. I wanted to give you this. She handed me a cassette tape. I could see from the cover that she had recorded it at the mall at Soundtracks. She rose on her tiptoes and gave me one sweet, long kiss, and I knew it was over. There's no mistaking a real goodbye kiss. I lingered among the big and tall raincoats to give her enough time to leave the store and the parking lot. I didn't want that kiss to be followed by anything, not even a last wave goodbye. When I got in my car, I was crying too, but I knew I had done the right thing. I slipped the cassette in the stereo. Rainbow has the music song. It's making the most of the dark.
That was Lot Hill. If his story gave you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and the Morseland, or one of our upcoming special events. On July 25th, join us at the Stained Glass Bistro in Evanston. Visit our website for more details. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I'm Julie Ganey. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Work Fund, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at secondstory.com. I walk over to where you are I do I we need no words at all Slowly now we begin to move Every breath I'm deeper into